Hi, everyone, and welcome to your San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. President Joe Biden has signed a $1.9 trillion federal relief package, and San Diego and other nearby cities will get some of that money. We'll talk to reporter David Garrick. Then there's a special election underway in California's 79th Assembly District to replace Shirley Weber. UT's editorial and opinion director Matthew T. Hall will share an endorsement. First, the news. California will open up coronavirus vaccinations, allowing people with high-risk medical conditions and disabilities to get shots starting Monday. That includes those 16 to 64 if they have a range of different medical conditions, such as cancer, diabetes, kidney disease, and severe obesity. The California Department of Public Health said late this week that documentation will not be necessary. To protect confidentiality, clinics will ask those with qualifying conditions to self-attest before they receive their shot. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria on Friday announced his pick to run the city's real estate portfolio. He chose longtime Port of San Diego official Penny Mouse. Mouse, who was chosen out of a field of nearly 30 candidates, will succeed former real estate assets department director Sibel Thompson. Thompson resigned in August after the city purchased Semper Energy headquarters at 101 Ash Street, which has been unusable due to asbestos. Mouse spent 13 years at the Port of San Diego, which manages the tidelands around San Diego Bay. San Diego Unified said it's on track to meet its target reopening date of April 12th, though details on how much time the students will spend in person at school have yet to be decided. Those details will depend partly on results of a parent survey that is closing Friday night. The district plans to reopen the week of April 12th for hybrid learning, meaning students will only be able to attend in person for part of the school day or week and will continue learning online the rest of the time. The so-called American Rescue Plan signed by President Joe Biden Thursday will provide more than $600 million to cities in San Diego County. The bill is meant to help cities cover deficits accrued during the coronavirus pandemic. David Garrett covers San Diego City Hall for the UT. David, who is getting what here around San Diego and and how will that money be used? Well, I mean, different cities have had more of an impact, especially tourism reliant cities have really struggled because they've lost all their hotel tax money. But each of the cities is going to use it to sort of fill budget gaps that they've experienced during the pandemic. Some cities are getting enough money where they'll have more than enough to do that, and they can use the money on programs like vaccinations, like helping small businesses, like providing relief for renters. Um, So those cities are in a fortunate position. Your story mentioned that the awards were not necessarily based on lost revenue. So how were they awarded? Yeah, that was an interesting debate because it was a Senate version and a House version, and they were haggling about which one they would use. And they ended up using the version, I think that was a hybrid, um, that basically relied on the federal community development block grant formula. That's federal money that cities receive if they have low-income areas. Uh, And so it's not based on how much revenue you've lost or even an estimate of how much revenue you lost during the pandemic. Each city is eligible based on three factors. It's poverty rate, it's population, And then the amount of dense housing it has, which is basically housing where there's more people per square footage than you would normally expect. And so the money these these cities are getting, is it enough to cover their lost revenue or will budget cuts still be necessary or do we know? Yeah, I mean, there's 18 different cities. So I mean, my guess is that the cities that got a big chunk of money like National City and Escondido will probably be able to cover their losses. Um, You know, a city like Carlsbad only got 13 million and you know they lost a lot of money because they have so much so much money from hotels and tourism. 
I'm not an expert on Carlsbad budgets, but I would guess that relatively they would struggle more. Coronado would be another one where they didn't get a lot of money because they don't have a lot of low-income residents and a very low poverty rate, but they lost a lot of money because they have all these hotel rooms and they're all empty. And how about here in San Diego? I know that they're expecting to receive more than the deficit uh, that they're running now. Uh, what will they do with the, the extra money? Yeah, certainly vaccinations are crucial, but that's only a small amount of money. I mean, it, just because it just doesn't cost that much money to do that. Um, you know, Mayor Todd Glory has talked about fixing some, uh, fixing some structural problems the city has, maybe hiring an ombudsman to help local businesses figure out how to access some of the money. One of the key questions about this American Recovery Act is like, there's a lot of money in there, but is everyone going to know how to access it? And so a lot of businesses that may struggle to figure out exactly how to apply for which loans and which programs, San Diego may spend some of its extra money on hiring folks to help the folks help people figure that out. Changing topics, the San Diego City Council earlier this week approved a climate change equity fund. What does that mean and what will it do? Well, the idea is that there are some neighborhoods that have been more impacted by climate change and are predicted to be more impacted going forward by climate change. You know, they don't have parks. So when it gets really hot, when temperatures rise, it's going to be harder for those residents to, you know, enjoy their lives. They don't have a good tree canopy because there aren't, aren't a lot of trees planted in the more urban areas. You know, Barrio Logan, if you want to picture it, is, is considered a neighborhood, particularly like the poster child neighborhood for, for this. Um, San Ysidro is another area. Um, so those are both in District 8. Uh, that's why Vivian Moreno, Councilman Vivian Moreno, was sort of the leader on this. Uh, anyway, so it's neighborhoods where, one, they, they've suffered damage from climate change, and they're not really environmentally friendly for people to live in uh, because maybe they don't have a lot of recreational opportunities. They don't have bike paths. They don't have areas to walk. They don't have areas to recreate, maybe not as many parks per square foot per, per person. Um, or that looking forward, more of the impacts of climate change that are on the horizon, are they're more vulnerable to those impacts. So the idea is the city would like to spend to raise some money to help these areas out. And, you know, you can raise money from anywhere, but the city decided to raise money, they thought, from related stuff. So they're going to do 1% of the money they get from gas tax, 1% of the money they get from Transnet, which is the county's half-cent sales tax surcharge to pay for transportation projects. And then they're going to give up 10% of the franchise fee they get from SDG&E, and as you may be aware that they're talking about maybe getting rid of SDG and going to sort of a government power. Uh, and if that happens, then it will be from that from that pool of money. And that's 10 percent. That's a big chunk of money. Uh, the estimate is that the proposal as it is now would raise about four point eight million dollars a year. And that would help pay for climate related projects in neighborhoods that have been deemed, you know, climate vulnerable. So they have to raise the money. When might we see these projects break ground? No, that's a good question. I, they're supposed to be in this current, the budget that's being considered now, the, the fiscal year 2022 budget, which would be adopted in June. But I would have to, to say that while there may be some full-blown projects, Councilwoman Moreno stressed that it's possible that the money would not be used for an individual project. Maybe if a project is close to the finish line, this money would be used to do a study, like a, an, an environmental study, or a last-ditch piece of red tape to get the project to the finish line. So instead of using it for whole, now it could be used for whole projects, but it may be used more strategically to help a bunch of different projects clear a bunch of different final hurdles to get them into the construction phase. And finally, you've been following an effort to recall San Diego City Council President Jennifer Campbell. What's the latest? Uh, the latest is that the people who want her recalled have published a notice in the, in the local newspaper, which they have to do, and that she has published her response. 
So now we're in the phase where they're gathering signatures. They have till the first, second, or third day of June, somewhere in early June, to gather a certain number of signatures. It's a really low threshold in San Diego. I think it's 14 or 15,000 signatures. Um, so it seems likely that they'll be able to do that. You never know. Um, and then if, if they do gather enough signatures, then the city council will have to put it on a ballot for it looks like November or December, maybe on a ballot with the Governor Newsom recall, which looks like that's probably going to make it. It may or may not be. It looks like probably it'll be on the same ballot. We don't know. Um, and then voters will have a decision in District 2. Uh, I should mention that Campbell represents District 2, which is our beach communities and a, the western, a western sliver of Claremont. Will you remind me who's behind the recall effort? Uh, why are they unhappy with her? And then finally, do you think it's likely this will, once it gets on the ballot, pass and she'll be recalled? No, it's tough to say. I mean, District 2 is very progressive, so I would normally think she'd be okay. But I read a lot about recalls, and apparently there's momentum. Once people see that someone is being recalled, they automatically sort of have a negative image of them. Why would other people want to recall this person? So they sort of have their own momentum. I mean, again, each one is probably its own separate animal, but I know that there, there's a certain dynamic there. Gray Davis in, uh, in California was relatively popular and then was recalled successfully. Arnold Schwarzenegger replaced him. Um, and who's against her is interesting. I mean, a lot of folks, her supporters will say it's, it's really a bunch of people who don't like the short-term vacation rental proposal that she just got through city council. Um, but the groups who are against her will say it is much wider. Almost every community group in District 2 doesn't like her. They don't think she's professional. They don't think she responds to emails. She doesn't uh, you know, go to community meetings as much as they would like. Um, and she also supported a, an increase of the height limit in the sports arena area. And there are some folks who, who don't like that. Um, some environmental groups are frustrated with her um, over certain you know, very complicated legislation involving wetlands and other things. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a wide, it depends on who you ask. Again, the supporters say they're an extremely wide group. And then the people who support Campbell and are against the recall say that it's a pretty narrow group. Okay, well, clearly a lot going on at the city. Thanks, David. Thanks very much. When Senator Kamala Harris became Vice President of the United States, Governor Gavin Newsom appointed Secretary of State Alex Padilla to replace her. Newsom then named Assemblymember Shirley Weber to replace Padilla. And now it's up to the voters to choose Weber's replacement in California's 79th Assembly District. The primary election is April 6th, and the general runoff will be June 8th. Matthew T. Hall is the editorial and opinion director at the UT. Matt, what can you tell us about this district? Who lives there and what are their needs? Um, great question. Um, the question, really, right, as, as you're electing a person who's going to represent this district. It's uh, Southern uh, County, so it's Southeast San Diego, Bonita, Chula Vista, La Mesa, Lemon Grove, and National City. Uh, at last count, there were about 300,000 registered voters. One in 10 are veterans. One in four were born in a foreign country. Uh, and just a little bit more about it. It, it. It's a little younger than the state and nation. The median age is a little uh, right around 34 of age. And for those who care about economics, the median household income is about $75,000. And give us an idea of the candidates. There are five people running. Who are they and what are their backgrounds? Uh, it's an interesting race. So there are uh, five candidates. There um, one Republican in the race and four Democrats. Uh, the Republican is Marco Contreras, who's a businessman born in San Diego, raised in Tijuana, and went to USD. Um, and then the four Democrats are a little side note, interestingly enough, about the district. It is largely uh, a Democratic stronghold. 
Democrats dating back to Picha Cohn, who was the first local Latino elected to the assembly, served there from 70 to 92. And then there's been a run of Democrats, obviously, including Shirley Weber, whose seat um, they're all replacing. Um, so uh, Marco kind of comes at it with a disadvantage. Um, the four other candidates are Democrats, although two are relatively new to the Democratic Party. I'll start there. Aramique Glass-Blake is a social justice organizer, uh, born, uh, born and raised in, in Southeast San Diego. Jane Harmely is a teacher who also uh, relatively new to the Democratic Party. Um, she's been with San Diego Unified for 20 plus years, is active in the union there. Um, and that leaves uh, two other candidates, uh, Leticia Munguia, who is a uh, labor uh, force uh, in, in, in San Diego. She grew up in Southeast San Diego County and uh, for a long time now has been the business rep for Ask Me 36, which is a union of unions. I think it represents like 50 plus unions across Southern California. And then the fifth candidate, I'm getting long-winded here, but Akila Weber, who is a doctor. She's an OBGYN who is Shirley Weber's daughter and has a lengthy medical uh, CV, La Mesa council member, and interested in the seat as they all are. We can talk a little bit more about Shirley Weber. I know that she's such an accomplished politician, but like what kind, what shoes is she leaving behind to fill? Yeah, big ones is the short version. She is uh, an educator herself, uh, used to be on the San Diego uh, school board um, and taught Africana studies at SDSU. She, her two big focus uh, areas in Sacramento have been criminal justice reform and school reform. And she passed uh, maybe the strongest um, use of force law in the country here in California, um, where she changed uh, the, 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 how police are allowed to use use of force. Uh, and so she gets uh, high marks from many for that action and also was active in school reform. Didn't quite have the great successes there. Obviously, California is a blue state run by the Democratic Party and teachers unions have a lot of sway in Sacramento. So she went up against the police unions and um, the teachers unions and had more success with the former, but was an advocate for um, for people and, and, and engaged both groups. The UT's editorial board, which we are both on, brought in, well, over Zoom, all of the five candidates. We talked to them all. These are all on YouTube. People can go watch and listen. Um, but for, for people unfamiliar with sort of the process that we use to endorse um, candidates, can you walk me through that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, quickly, you know, we, we wanted to give all candidates an equal uh, chance to meet with the board, to share their stories their perspectives. And so we had them all in for about an hour individually over the course of a week um, as voting uh, um, got underway. And um, they were they were good conversations. I think viewers of those videos will come away with a good understanding of we, what each candidate uh, stands for and, and, and what kind of leader they'd be. You know, the issues that we asked them about uh, are issues I think front of mind for people. They, they they involved obviously the pandemic, schools reopening, the economy. They involved criminal justice reform. Um, they involved housing and transit and the environment. And so there's there's a lot of of big big issues. Obviously the pandemic is front of mind for many people, but um, I think the answers that each gave were illuminating. And finally, who has the editorial board endorsed to represent Assembly District 79? The union board, uh, the, the editorial board endorsed uh, Akila Weber, 
Um, the endorsement uh, will be in the Sunday newspaper and online before then, obviously. Um, and uh, uh, she, that was a clear consensus by the board. She brings a lot of strengths and it's not just because she's Shirley Weber's daughter. Uh, in many ways, we think that uh, there are, she has strengths that are different than her, her mother's. And so while I think the natural inclination is to compare the two, uh, I think um, people should look to see what they do differently. And, and we also think that uh, Akilah uh, could potentially do for healthcare what her mom has done for criminal justice reform. She could, that's one of her big priorities and, and she's got some uh, background as a doctor. There aren't a lot of medical doctors in Sacramento. And so her perspective on science, the scientific method and that approach um, I think will sell her, uh, will serve her well in Sacramento. I'll also note that she is vaccinated as a first, uh, as a, as a healthcare provider. She chose to get vaccinated the first week um, when there wasn't a lot of information on vaccine. She's got her second uh, dose in January. And I think importantly to her ability to serve the, the members of the public in Sacramento, She's been an advocate for, for vaccines. She understands vaccine hesitancy, but she's had conversations with folks in her community about um, the importance of a vaccine, the science behind a vaccine, the safety behind a vaccine. And I think that's just one small example of um, the kind of thinking and the kind of communication that she'd bring to Sacramento. As a reminder, voting is open now and continues through April 6th. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix. We'll be back Monday.